patterns, permutations, time, rhythm, coordination, meter, concentration, tempo, modulation, groove. Welcome to the Drum Mantra Podcast. This is Rich Stitzel, and it's time to go deeper with your practice. So what I what I did is, you know, at some point I started realizing, like, I can put in these, you know, these sextuplets and make it sound essentially kind of faster than it is. Polyrhythms, polymeters, what are they? How are they related? How are they different? Let's take a look. Before I set up anything in a session, I try to find out, hey, what's the first song we're going to do? Can we go listen to it? Is there some kind of demo? And then, because I hate I hate just like throwing up like any old symbol, snare drum, and whatever, um, building a kit, and then going to listen to the song, you're like, oh, well, I wouldn't use half the stuff that's up here. The way to be successful at something is you have to be so passionate about it that time disappears. You do not care. You are just in it. You can't wait to wake up because you get to start again. When you go to sleep, you hope that you dream about it. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about passion. I, I really feel like that's a really under-emphasized part of being a drummer, is getting sad. What happens is you're moving the accents everywhere possible in a measure of 4-4, four, four, a measure of 3-4, and a measure of 5-4. You break it down, you know, sometimes you'll do freeze in each hand or whatever, but it's a, it's a combination of just those two things and throwing in a single kick drum or a double kick drum, and now you have these odd phrases Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Drum Mantra Podcast, episode 53. Recently, I've been thinking about the concept of external and internal. What goes on in the external and what goes on in the internal? What is the external? What is the internal? These are some concepts that I think are important to understand because then we can start to get a better um, perspective on our whole situation. So, very briefly, it's not a hard concept. To me, anything that is external is anything that is outside of you. So the world that you see, that's the external. And the internal is everything inside of you. So your thoughts, your emotions, your physical being, those are the things inside of you. And everything outside of you is the external. And I think there's this interesting back and forth balance that we all have to consider when we're working on trying to be successful at something. And specifically talking about music, I'm fascinated by the idea of what is it that inspires someone to become a musician. It seems that typically it's because we heard something that triggered and excitement inside of our minds. We might have heard music being played in our house as a small child, or maybe someone in our family was a musician, and it was intriguing to us, so we sort of focused on that more. We concentrated on it more. It seems like a lot of people that I talk to, though, have that aha moment of, when I listened to this record, I knew that I wanted to be this kind of musician. I knew that I wanted to be a musician. I knew that this was the instrument I wanted to play. I would love to do a study sometime, and this is not that podcast, but I would love to know what it is that triggers people to fall in love with music and to fall in love with a specific instrument. Because I think that if you took four people who had never heard of Led Zeppelin, let's say, and put them in a room and played Led Zeppelin, there's a good chance that each of those people could 
fall in love with a different aspect of that band. One person might want to be John Bonham. The other person might want to be Robert Plant. They want to be a singer. One person might be impressed by the guitar riffs, and they want to be Jimmy Page. Or they like the bass lines. They want to be John Paul Jones. What is it about each person's individuality that leads them into becoming focused in on a different aspect of the same thing, but seeing it from a different perspective and falling in love with it for some reason inside themselves? Is it cultural? Were they raised a certain way to detect the sound of certain instruments? I don't know. I think it's very interesting. My own personal feeling on it, I did not fall in love with drums immediately. I did fall in love with music and the sound of music. I remember being five, and the first record I remember hearing was Romantic Warrior from Return to Forever, Chick Corea's group from the 70s. And I listened to that record, and it was just absolutely mesmerizing. If you've ever heard that record, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't heard that record, I highly recommend checking it out. Romantic Warrior by the group Return to Forever. It's it's magical, it's mystical, high-level musicianship. And I do remember hearing the sounds of that record and being so drawn into images in my mind. And it didn't hurt that the record cover was this painting of uh, a knight sitting on a horse and there's like this mythical kingdom behind him. And so I remember staring at that record cover and listening to the music and hearing the, the strange keyboard sounds or the alarm clock or the slide whistle or hearing the, the intense drumming of Lenny White or hearing the, the, the Al Demiola's guitar playing or Stanley Clark's bass playing. And I remember being able to, to start to discern the instruments at that age. I also, around that time, maybe more like six or seven, was listening to Weather Report and uh, the Jocko Pastorius solo album. And around the time I was nine, I fell in love with my first... I, even though I took drum lessons when I was five... That only lasted about six months, and I just I wasn't ready for it. That's that was too young for my mind. My mind was very uh, all over the place. I was very interested in creativity, and I was always drawing, and and I I I was going from one thing to the next. I had a lot of energy, and uh, I just didn't have the patience at the time to work on the drums. So my first instrument that I really chose and I wanted to play was bass. And I would stare at that Jocko solo album cover. I was nine years old. I remember his arms were folded, and I would put my hand on the record cover, and my hands were so much smaller than his, and I always felt like, I can't, I'm never going to be able to play bass like Jocko because my hands aren't as big as Jocko's. And even though I was, I wasn't taking lessons from anyone, but my dad was showing me things because he could play bass. And I think I was just overwhelmed because I learned very quickly that not only do you have to figure out the physical part of the instrument and the physicality of plucking the strings and putting your fingers on the right frets, but then also it came with a lot of 
um, the need to understand music theory, harmony, and I think that was just too overwhelming for my nine-year-old brain. So bass lasted with me for about a year, and then when I was 12, I fell in love with saxophone, and I don't know why, but I think it was probably because my mom played saxophone and my grandfather also played saxophone. They're both professional saxophone players. And uh, I loved Weather Report. I, I grew up in a... It's probably funny to hear me say Return to Forever when I was five and Weather Report when I was nine and Jocko's solo album. And, well, I grew up in a family of jazz musicians, so that's the music that was playing in my house. I had never heard Led Zeppelin or the Beatles or anything that had singing on it, James Taylor, Elvis, I didn't hear any of that music until much later in life because everything in my household was instrumental jazz. So I was hearing Charlie Parker and I was hearing Coltrane and I was hearing Weather Report and I really loved Wayne Shorter's playing on Weather Report when I was 12. So took up the sax, even though it was alto sax, and that's not something that Wayne Shorter played, but... I just loved the idea. I, loved, I liked the sound of the saxophone at that time. And I was practicing. I was very serious. And the 12-year-old Richie um, went to the International Association of Jazz Educators, which was actually National Association at the time. And that particular year, Chris Potter was the young talent. So Chris was 13. And I actually met Chris. We went to his hotel room, and I remember him opening a saxophone case and asking me how did I like to practice my scales and it freaked me out because I had not gotten that far yet I'd only been playing for I don't know eight eight or nine months at that time and I was like okay I already felt intimidated and behind the ball or behind you know behind the curve or whatever you say to say I didn't think I was gonna be a successful saxophone player because I was so far behind Chris Potter when he was 13. Um, and then I remember he played A-Train in the concert, and I recorded that. My my grandfather actually video recorded it. This was in 1982. And um, I learned A-Train, and I tried to learn his solo, and around that time we moved and things were weird, and I... Uh, I decided I didn't want to play saxophone anymore. So I really worked hard on it for about a year and a half, but it just it, it felt like it wasn't my true calling. I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed practicing to like Jamie Abersold records and 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 learning A Train and it just it didn't stick with me. So in the summer of my seventh grade year, I decided I wanted to play drums. And Luckily for me, I was surrounded by professional musicians, so I had teachers who were able to get me into the right things pretty quickly. So um, my teacher was showing me Steve Gadd, and, show, and you know I was working out of <clears throat> some books that are you know super well known, um, the Rick Latham book, and of course all the other books that you work on when you're young. So I fell in love with drums. My band director was a drummer. He turned me on to Rush in the eighth grade. It was the first time I heard the album Moving Pictures. And, you know, 
when you're in eighth grade and you hear Rush, you want to learn that stuff. So, you know, I learned Tom Sawyer and YYZ and got really excited about that. And then the fire was lit. And then I, then I discovered the police and from there discovered more weather report and, and the new Chick Corea electric band. And, you know, it was, it all began then. And it, that fire was lit strongly enough in me that it burns even brighter each day to the next, 35 years later. I'm fascinated by that to me is my external journey, the, the, the records that I fell in love with, the music that I like to learn. The external is falling in, falling in love with music and wanting to learn how to play like your heroes learning how to play a song by Van Halen or a song by Led Zeppelin. That is one level of playing. And then there's another level of playing where you're going less into wanting to learn songs and more into learning concepts. So when you listen to the Miles Davis Quintet, you're not listening to it to learn how to play all blues like they did you're listening to it to understand the concepts of what vocabulary were they using to interact as artists and so you might study tony williams not so you can play like tony williams well of course at one period you probably do want to play like tony williams but you want to learn his vocabulary you want to learn the approach now we're starting to get into a territory that is kind of middle ground of external and internal where as if you're just if you just fall in love because you want to learn how to play a song you you fall in love with drums you want to learn how to play a song and you practice playing a song and then you learn how to practice playing another song and pretty soon you know how to play 20 songs but that's all you know that's a very surface superficial level of playing that doesn't get you very far. And a lot of times, those people are the ones that have the hardest time bridging the gap into conceptual playing because conceptual playing is where you start to develop your own voice and your own understanding. And oddly enough, that usually comes from more of the... of Well, it can come from anywhere. I'm not even going to label that. I was going to say it comes more from the jazz vocabulary because a lot of times pop songs are produced and they're they they are designed to serve the singing which is absolutely fine i love doing that it's one of my favorite things to do but there's not a lot of creative input in a pop song so much as in the jazz idiom that is all debatable, and I can debate either side of that, and I am all for both sides of it. So I don't want to get into saying something that someone might think I have this biased opinion because I love all of it. It's all legit, and I mean, I can listen to a Duran Duran song and love the drumming and be inspired by the drumming. I can listen to a, a Howard Jones song and be inspired by the drumming. I can listen to Frank Zappa and be inspired by the drumming. I mean, you, you should be able to get to a point where everything inspires you. Everything. You should be able to find something in everything that you hear 
that makes you excited about what you're doing. But if you don't understand beneath the surface level of just falling in love with a band and wanting to be able to play their songs, if you can't get deeper than just learning how to play songs, there's going to be a lot of struggle and there's going to be a lot of hours spent on working on stuff that isn't going to get you any further than just knowing that song. So we start to move into this middle range between the external and the internal where we are starting to work on conceptual things. So you might listen to Elvin Jones and you try to try to cop his concepts, the vocabulary. You start to be able to identify Elvin because of X, Y, and Z, the round flowing triplet concepts, the, the, the movement of the linear movement with triplets. I mean, that's an Elvin thing. So you start to understand the conceptual side of an artist and you're maybe learning or transcribing things that they do and then you're bringing them into the practice room and first you're learning exactly what they do and then as you work on them they become an exercise now you're starting to get further into the internal function of the musician mind so you're inspired by the external and then you go to that middle ground where you're kind of analyzing the concepts of the person. And then eventually those concepts start to sink into your own being. And then the internal turns on and you start to discover that there is a voice inside of you that you are trying to develop the skill that allows that voice to come out. So instead of bringing things into yourself, pulling from the external and bringing them in to add to yourself, you are trying to find a way to open yourself up to allow your unique voice to come out. That's a tricky thing to do. And it's a tricky thing to understand. It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of discipline. And... It's a lifelong journey. You look at great painters. Picasso did not always paint the way that everyone knows the famous Picasso paintings. He was painting realistic portraits. And then he evolved into the painter that he became famous for. And that's true with many painters. I mean, you look at all these paintings. Jackson Pollock didn't... He, he came upon his style of painting that made him famous later in life. But he was a painter first. He, he studied classical painting. And that's so true with so many people. I mean, you see Miles Davis evolve over and over and over again. A true artist is always reaching inside to find that internal voice. And that internal voice that's already in you is coming, is developing through your external experiences. So really, it's this, it's this kind of loop where you're taking the external, you're, you're ingesting it, you're making it your own, and then you're bringing it back out as your voice. Everyone wants to play like Tony. Everyone wants to play like Elvin. Many people want to play like Buddy. 
People want to play like Vinny. People want to play like Weckl. I mean, there are these iconic drummers. People want to play like Gad, Benny Greb, Nate Wood. I mean, you can go on and on and on. Iconic drummers that everyone is like, man, I want to play like that. I want to understand how to play like that. The thing is, even if you cop everything from one of these artists, you're not going to be them. And why would you want to be? You want to be your own artist. So a way that a lot of artists develop their sound is they study the, quote, greats. You take information from all these different eras of drumming, and you truly study it, and you truly internalize it. And when you start to mix all these things up based on your interests and your passions, it starts to meld into a function of your own voice. Now, here's the thing that... This is the interesting thing. No one is listening to the exact same stuff. No one is eating the same food every day. No one has the same relationships as another person. So everyone's experience is completely unique. And because everyone's experience is completely unique, and not only everyone's experience... Everyone's physical being is unique. Some people are tall and skinny. Some people are short and skinny. Some people are tall and big. Some people are short and large. Some people have developed their muscles. Some people don't move a lot and have not developed, you know, it's whatever. Some people have big hands. Some people have small hands. Some people like to use big sticks. Some people. So, all these things that are part of your physicality are going to change the way that you play the drums. Your ears want to hear drums a certain way, so you turn, you tune your drums a certain way. These are your internal expressions coming out based on your experience. So based on whatever you've observed in your external world throughout your life, those things seep into your subconscious. And when you practice and you become to develop the facility to play, the way that that stuff is going to come out is going to come out in a way that feels in harmony with your own life, your own experience. That's what gives you your unique voice. The thing that gives you the vocabulary and the tools to express your unique voice, that's where the disconnect can happen. Because if you're if you're studying things on the surface level, if you're cramming to learn 40 songs for a gig, and that's what you're spending your time in the practice room doing because you have to memorize an entire song as a song, that's going to take a lot of time. But if you understand the concepts of the, the, the theory of music as far as song form is concerned, and you understand what a verse is and what a chorus is and what a bridge is and what an intro is and what an outro is, and you understand the concept of four and eight and 16-bar phrases, you can probably listen to a song once and play it after that. You can definitely listen to a song probably once and transcribe the form and transcribe the groove, and all of a sudden, what might have taken you, who knows, an hour, two hours on a song, now takes you three and a half minutes or however long the song is, because you understand the building blocks of a song. The same is true with your playing. 
when you understand the building blocks of your movements, your physical movements, that allows you to express yourself emotionally. So when your hands understand how to play a paradiddle, then you can execute an idea that utilizes that, that four-note grouping. Now, a paradiddle is going to be a very small piece of vocabulary, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a little structure that allows you to get to a certain place on your kit. But you can play a paradiddle with dynamics. You can, you can do things to a paradiddle. That's the other thing. How creative are you with the things that you're working on? Are you just playing, for instance, a paradiddle? Right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, over and over again? Are you, have you thought about playing them from very soft to very loud back to soft? Have you thought about accenting different parts of the paradiddle? Have you thought about speeding the paradiddle up, slowing it down? Have you thought about playing the paradiddle's eighth notes and then his eighth note triplets and then his sixteenth notes and then his sextuplets? So there's a lot of different things that you can start to do with the paradiddle. Have you broken it up between, you know, played 16th notes paradiddles with your hands and played 8th note paradiddles with your feet at the same time? There's a, there's a challenge for you. So the thing about studying the conceptual part of drumming is you start to understand how to take something and, and turn it into an exercise for yourself. And when you can start to turn things that you love to hear in other people's playing, Weckl was a is an awesome example of someone who is able to talk about the things that they do when they're playing. His educational video that came out in the late '80s—I don't even remember what it was called—but he broke down the one thing that fascinated everybody, which was his triplet combinations. And he basically said, I have, here, I don't remember how many there were. Here are 10 different triplet combinations that you do between your hands and your feet around the kit. You know, and it's like right, right foot, right foot, left, right, left foot, left, right foot, foot, left, right, you know, whatever, all these combinations. And you build them into this amazing triplet vocabulary around the kit. And he was able to demonstrate it at a level that only Weckl at that time was able to do. When he hit the scene, no one could do the things that he was doing. It was crazy. Precision, clarity, complexity, musicality. There were so many aspects of, of his playing, and he was able to communicate it in a way that everyone went, oh, now I understand the building blocks of the things that a great drummer uses in his playing and he's saying, take these and turn them into your own little coordination patterns around the kit. So all of a sudden, we're realizing, okay, we can take something that that person does, make it our own by, you know, if you don't have a, the, a drum set the size of Weckles, then you're going to have to do other things because you don't have three floor toms and three mounted toms or whatever. You might have two toms. So all of a sudden, your creativity starts to come out because you have to figure out how to express yourself on the instruments that you have. And you start to notice some tendencies in what you do. 
So you're working on these patterns and you're noticing that your hands go to certain places. There is your voice starting to come out, your creative voice. This is all internal work because you are discovering your own interests. You're discovering your own creative expression through being inspired by the external. So, as I said, they go hand in hand. Inspiration comes from the external. You take it, you, you put it into your practice until you understand it deeply enough and it becomes part of you enough that then you can express it back out as your own internal artistic expression. That is what the drum mantra is all about. I developed the exercises in the drum mantra over the last 12 years to be a companion to any kind of music that a drummer is interested in. It doesn't matter if you're into into jazz or into country music or it doesn't matter what you play. The fundamental structures of the drum mantra exercises are designed to help the mechanics of your body learn certain movements and certain combinations to then allow you to play whatever music you love to play with more comfort, with more authority, with more precision, with more focus, more relaxation, and hopefully a higher level of of creativity as well because you can only express that which you know. So if you are limited to certain subdivisions and certain coordination exercises or abilities, then your expression is going to be limited to that. And when you try to go and do something outside of that, it's probably going to be messy. And I'm all for going for things. I think it's great. There are situations where it's encouraged to go for things, be expressive, go for it. You know, you have to have that, you have to have the guts to go for it sometimes when appropriate. If you're playing a pop gig, you should not be playing anything polyrhythmic. You should not be doing anything that veers from the focus of the purpose of that music. So you have to, you have to, you have to do it in the right place to make it right. And that's part of maturity. That's part of an, an internal knowing of what is your role at each moment. If you're playing a country gig and you try to throw in a grouping of five, you will be fired and you should be fired because you are not, you're, you're, you're being, you're performing without discipline. And it's so important to have discipline with whatever it is you're doing. Play the gig the way that gig is intended to be played. If you're playing a, a, a really loose, open, free jazz thing, you can express yourself however you see fit. But if you're playing a pop gig, you have, if you don't want to get fired, you, you better learn how to lay that stuff down and play the pocket. Your pocket is going to be deeper the more you know. If you understand complex rhythmic relationships, if you understand how things function with time, you are going to be a better pocket player. It's going to feel deeper because the way that your body moves 
will have more precision to it because you understand a deeper level of motion. I mean, listen to Steve Gadd with James Taylor. He's playing very simple drums, but the feeling that he's giving is so deep because he knows so much and he can do so much. You don't have to do it for it to come across. I mean, anyone can play a rock beat, but not everyone can play a rock beat with, with James Taylor. <laughs> you know, making $50,000 a week playing one and three on the bass drum and two and four on the snare drum, it's not as easy as it looks, and it's definitely not as easy as it sounds. So the depth of a player comes from their internal development and their maturity and their understanding of the discipline that is required to do the job. So you got all this internal stuff happening, and then when it's in time to go into the external and perform, you need to be ready to do the correct thing if you want to be a successful professional musician. There are some drummers right now who are really displaying their internal work, which is amazing. Social media is amazing for this because a lot of people are starting to post themselves practicing, essentially, working on things that are inside of them, and they're bringing them out. Steve Lyman, Dan Weiss, Ari Honig, uh, Jonathan Colin Green, these guys, and there are many others, but those people, people in particular are the ones that keep coming across my feed, but probably because I'm friends with those guys. And it's amazing to see how strong their connection to their internal source is. They are come, they are creating things from within and they are bringing them out and they are working on them and perfecting their own ideas. I think it's incredible that the human mind is able to come up with something that the body cannot quite do yet. And so we invent things, and then we learn how to do them. There is an amazing way to start developing your voice. Talk about tapping into your internal, infinite well of, of inspiration to be able to go inside, think of something, bring it out, work on it, perfect it and that's just going to that's going to continue to to regenerate that's going to continue to inspire you and bring more and more out and the amazing thing is everyone's expression is completely different i mean if you look at the people i just named Ari, Dan, Jonathan and Steve they are all in the same family of of what they're doing they're doing polyrhythmic and polymetric coordination four-way independence they all are doing it in a different way but it's the same that's the same vocabulary but everyone's pulling it out in a different way i mean the way that ari does his phrasing and the way that the, the musicians that ari plays with are able to do the phrasing with him and so they're able to make songs feel like they're speeding up and slowing down and going into all these different things and they're all related polyrhythmically Dan Weiss is doing incredible polyrhythmic and polymetric coordination where every limb is doing a different rhythm in a different time constraint. And he's a master of that. 
with this organic phrasing that you know is coming from the, the his tabla study so you know these these long phrases that are able to be put into different modulations on top of heavy deep coordination i mean it's amazing steve lyman is doing all kinds of crazy things with four limbs jonathan collin green is stuck on playing groupings of fives and sevens with longer stickings that are beyond seven over two and it's it's mind-boggling what he's doing but all you know all four of these guys are playing such creative advanced inventive things that are coming out of their own desires their own internal self and they're bringing them out into the world it's amazing everyone's voice is different your voice is going to be different when you start to tap into that voice in yourself and you start to discover what it is that you truly love and you're not just trying to regurgitate something from your favorite drummer you're going to experience true joy because you are actually experiencing your own creative expression mine happens to be the drum mantra polymetric coordination exercises the i'm fascinated by the way that polymetric groupings work together and i love composing music that goes with the exercises that's one of the features of all the drum mantra stuff is i create music that supports the exercises so while you're working on these interesting coordination things the music is holding you there for long enough that you're developing the muscle memory required to be able to then pull from that when it's time to express yourself musically your body knows what to do because it's developed so much muscle memory from the repetitions drum rhythm mantra repetition rhythmic repetition drum mantra that's what that means so that's my internal coming out and i think that we're in this new evolution of the musician where it's not all about wanting to be a rock star and of course i wanted to be a rock star and i and i did that and when i finally got to the level of playing arenas i realized this is not going to fulfill my my need to be an artist where is my artistry it's it's inside of me and i need to find it and i need to bring it out and so as soon as i finished a tour a, a big arena tour with a country superstar miranda lambert i had an awakening and i fell in love with the three to four polymetric relationship and then the three to four to five relationship and that has lit a fire in me that's lasted over a decade now and i feel so fortunate to be given the gift of finding the thing that interests me beyond wanting to be in a band beyond wanting to play with a bunch of great musicians because yes that is an important part of being a musician playing with other musicians that is the most beautiful thing you can experience expressing yourself musically with other like-minded musicians nothing better in the world but there's also this 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 depth of learning to connect to your own internal creativity and figure out how to bring it out there's an there's an amazing that's an amazing experience as well and that's a lifelong experience that you can have 
you know, you might not live in a city where you where there are other musicians that love to do exactly what you love to do. And so, what are you going to do? You're going to you're going to be inspired by the external. You're going to bring it inside. You're going to work on it, and and you all the while your intention is to find your own voice, to make this your own creativity. Bring it out on the drums. Are you going to set up a lot of different sounds? Here's a great here's a great example. Uh, Seamus Evely, the the host of Drum Gab podcast, Drumio Gab podcast. Now, he is a super creative drummer who loves to have wild sounds, and he's kind of a wild player, and he he plays these these patterns that are so unique and so him, and they don't come from anything except his own like reckless abandon of the way he plays. And it's so um, emotive, and it's like purely him. It's amazing. So I don't even know. We talked a little bit about this when I was on his podcast, and, but we didn't we didn't go de- deep into his process because he's kind of a self taught drummer who just sort of plays what he feels, and that's amazing. That's amazing to have that freedom to just play what you feel, and then what you want to do is you want to take that. And, and harness it into understanding the science of what it is you love to what you feel because when you can when you can kind of capture that uh, wild expression and start to, to dissect what is it that I do you can start to expand on it and and to and to um, just really grow it and, and and refine it and make it deeper and deeper and deeper. So I, I highly recommend, you know, playing with reckless abandon every once in a while. And then also being very dedicated to a serious practice regimen where you're working on very focused material. You've got to do it all. The more that you can expand your experience externally, the deeper you are going to be able to uh, be in touch with your own expression, your own unique creative expression. They go hand in hand. So always find the beauty and always find something that inspires you in anything and everything you hear. If you think you don't like country music, turn on something that's country and try to find something that is good. Don't be so shallow that you that you are affected by music by its the implication of its social structure or social status. You know, if you live in the middle of Oklahoma or Kansas and you love listening to country music and Lady Gaga comes on and and you can't even allow yourself to listen to it because you think that it's the people that listen to that are crazy people who go to wild nightclubs in New York or something and it intimidates you or it freaks you out or you have a judgment against it because of the social structure that you think surrounds that genre, well, you're not listening to the music. (laughs) Got to get deeper. Go deeper. You can listen to the production quality. You can listen to the sounds that are created. You can listen to the programming. You can listen to anything. Find something good in everything that you do. And that is true for more than music that's true with art that's true with all art dance actual painting art 
That's true with watching sports. Like anything that you're engaged in, find the beauty in it. Don't just find the 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 entertainment in it. You, don't, you know, if you if you go to a movie and you just go to it because the the story and the special effects and all that, and you you're not you're not seeing it on a deeper level. Like I love going to a movie and and getting you know trying to get into the mind of the director or try to get into the mind of the actors and be like, man. This is an intense role for this person. They had to really do a lot of work. And remember that humans are doing these things and appreciate that. The more things that you can find yourself appreciating in every aspect of life, and the more you have empathy to people for their their hard work and their dedication and their act in whatever it is that they're doing, the the... The, the 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 less judgmental you become and the more inspiration comes from you start to realize that inspiration can come from anywhere my intention when i perform music regardless of the genre is to play with a level of purity and dedication and intention so much that anyone that experiences that performance is inspired to go out and do whatever it is that they love with more passion. So I want to play with a level of purity that inspires others to do whatever it is that they love more fully. And I think that is how we contribute to the external world, is you play with integrity, you play with self-expression, and you do it at the highest level you can with the most understanding of your own self and that is what creates beautiful art and that's what creates frankly i think that's what creates peace in the world is when humans are truly being themselves and not being swayed by any superficial social structures or any of that we're talking about expression we're talking about art we're talking about invention we're talking about the internal informing the external instead of the external informing the internal it is a circle they both work hand in hand but the more you can express outward the better you're going to feel about life and the happier you're going to be it's a win-win okay well there you have it there is this week's podcast just in time it is 7 30 p.m it is my anniversary, my eighth anniversary. Today is actually 11 11 2019. I got married on 11 11 11. I had a recording session all day, came home, did this podcast, and now I'm going to take my wife out to dinner. You're going to hear the podcast the day after all that happened. <laughs> but you're also going to hear the podcast on the day that. I will be doing a drum mantra intensive at Vic's Drum Shop in Chicago. Vic's Drum Shop in Chicago is hosting a drum mantra intensive on Tuesday, November 12th, 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. We are going to have a 90-minute long hands-on intensive where we all play through a lot of the exercises in both of my books as well as some exercises that I've created that are outside of the books. If you're in Chicago... I highly recommend coming. We always have a blast. 
Uh, it's limited to 12 people. It's about, there are a few spots left. So if you're in town and you're hearing this in time to come, please join us. It's a great time. You can find out more by going to Facebook and just typing in um, Drum Mantra Intensive. The event page will come up and the registration page will come up so you can join us if you'd like. Okay, I hope you have a great week. I wish you all the best. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Drum Mantra Podcast. Your time and attention is much appreciated. I would love it if you went to the iTunes store and left a rating. And please share this with anybody that you think would like to go deeper with their practice. Take care.